Welcome to the She's Up Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Coach Kimberly International, featuring conversations and actionable insights that equip women in STEM to lead in today's VUCA world. Welcome to the She's Up Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Jackson. In this episode, I have the honor of speaking with Patty Keenan. Patty serves as the Chief Learning Officer at Miller Electric Company. Recognizing that developing growth mindsets is a key business challenge for the future, Patty works closely with a great team of people at Miller Electric to create a learning organization where everyone has an opportunity to learn and grow both personally and professionally. Patty's background also includes extensive leadership experience at GE, as well as in her own business as president and executive coach for senior business leaders, including the C-suite, general counsel, senior VPs, HR, as well as teams of high potential leaders. Patty holds multiple coaching certifications. She also volunteers with Catholic Charities Atlanta and is a member of the Randolph-Macon Academy Board of Trustees. Patty, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Kimberly. It's wonderful to be here virtually. Yes. Um, So I want to be able to give our audience a little bit of context and some background. So we met around 15 years ago, I believe. Yes. We went through. Yes. We go way back. Um, We went through T. Falcon Napier's body of work in change management. Um, to be certified change practitioners. And I, I know that I still use that framework, um, the ChangeWorks um, model today. I'm sure it comes up and, and you pull that in as well. And I know we both also had the privilege of working with Bill Joyner um, with Leadership Agility at ChangeWise. Um, and we could probably spend a lot of our time um, talking about that as well as coaching, because once a coach, always a coach. And um, I just reminisce of the days we used to be in our coaching circle and help each other grow and move forward. And caribou coffee. Remember caribou? Yes. I miss yes, that I'm, coffee. Me too. Me too. I was just thinking that. Um, so what I want to do is have you and I have a relaxing conversation in somewhat of a storytelling format because the purpose and format of the show for those who are just now joining us is really to provide some actionable leadership insights um, for women advancing in their careers in STEM fields. Although I know it will apply to women of varying whether you're entering um, your career or you're in senior leadership. And also for the men, our allies will be tuning in as well. And I know we've had a previous conversation and I know you have a great leadership story to share and to be able to pull out some of your learning outcomes. And we'll have, you know, a cha- you know a dialogue, a chat around those outcomes. But if you'll go ahead and Kick us off and tell us the story. Oh, sure. So thank you, Kimberly. And thank you so much. Um, I've admired you for so many years. um, And I just love all that you brought 
to the world of leadership and coaching. So thank you. Um, so the story is, uh, I thought of several different stories and this one, um, was only about five years ago. So kind of like the moral of the story, I, sh I should have known better, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so it was about five years ago and I, um, had been a coach for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years at that point, working with senior executives. And one of the, one of the topics was self-awareness in leadership. So that was something that I've long coached leaders on that you really have to start any leadership growth journey with understanding yourself and having a great deal of self-awareness. So one tool to understand yourself better is the, the personality type, um, a personality type model like a Myers-Briggs or something. So I used to, back in my GE days, I kind of thought all that was crap. Um, I didn't really think that was, it didn't matter. And I, I didn't think it mattered whether you were extroverted or introverted and you should just move on with your life. But um, I am an ENFP, so I do know this about myself now. So, so my story is I had studied this. I had talked to countless leaders about self-awareness. And so one day in my executive coaching practice, um, I have a very dear friend um, whose daughter had to have uh, open heart surgery. So I took, and her daughter only, was only 12 years old at this time. So I took the day off and um, was at the hospital with, with my friend and her family. And we were waiting there. And it was obviously a, it was a very um, pressure-filled situation. And thank God the, the surgery went really well. She came out just great. And, and it was just this collective sigh of relief. So the family got to go in and see her. I did not. I'm not a direct family member. So I got in my car and headed home. And this is my, when I made my first critical error was I picked up the phone and checked, you know, who had called me while I was, you know, I had the phone off in the hospital and one of my biggest clients had called. So what do you think I do? I immediately called him back. And we had, I would say, one of our worst conversations ever um, where I actually, uh, I didn't directly insult him, but it's kind of how it came out. So I, I hung up the phone. I was like, wow, that couldn't have gone any worse. Like, what is wrong with me? What happened? <laughs> so got myself home paused, poured a cup of tea, reflected on what happened. And I realized we're at our most dangerous when we're under a lot of stress and we're pretending not to be. So I didn't even pause for five minutes. What I probably should have done is gotten in the car and cried just out of relief from, you know, my friend being okay. And instead I just, oh, I got to get back on next thing, next thing, keep moving forward. Right. Well, that wasn't what was what I needed in the moment. So what, what happened is I, so I reflected on it. I realized that was, that was some of my worst stress behaviors coming out. So I called my client back the next day. I said, listen, I just want to apologize. I did take the night to, to sleep on it. Then I want to apologize. I said, you know how I've taught you for years, all this stuff about self-awareness, knowing yourself, knowing your triggers, your personality style. Well, that applies to me too. And I screwed up yesterday. And I said, I didn't tell you, but I was in the hospital all day. And obviously I, a lot of that was sort of building up in me and I tried to just keep moving forward and I should never even have called you back. So I apologize for how I came across it. And he of course forgave me and it, it kind of bonded us even more, which was great. But um, so anyway, Kimberly, that's, that's my story. We, we can unpack it if you'd like. Yes. Um, would you be comfortable sharing what some of those triggers were? Oh, like so absolutely. that you recognized? Yes. Mm -hmm. So... I learned, the, so I took the Myers-Briggs personality type, I don't know, 20 years ago. I've retaken it several times. I am a pretty solid ENFP. 
And for years, I thought, well, what's the big deal? Um, I was introduced to this book called Enhancing Leadership Effectiveness Through Psychological Type. And I love it when there's just a high-level overview and you don't have to really study yourself that much. But the overview for each personality style, there's a little section that says stress-related behavior. So for me, my stress-related behavior is talking even faster than I already do naturally, um, kind of being more direct, sort of like getting to the point and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and at my very worst, I just get really distracted. So after my dad passed 10 years ago, I, I really, I went into, I'm sure a depression for a while. And I remember one of my dear friends, I, I asked her, I was like, am I different? Am I like a different person? And she said, you're just very distracted. And I, I never put those two together 10 years ago until the last few years. Like that's when I'm really stressed and trying to just keep moving forward. I, I show up as very distracted. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but you really don't see books on leadership that say how to be a great distracted leader. Okay. So that's, <laughs> I don't think that exists. So those are not great leadership traits. So I think that the big learning for me was not that, not to never get stressed. Okay. I, although I do have a, I've studied that a lot about how to mostly eliminate it, mm-hmm. but to recognize when you are and to be okay with that and to either remove yourself from the situation, reschedule a meeting if you have to, or, you know, probably more realistically, find some tips and tools like meditation, breathing, stretching, praying to calm yourself so that you can show up as your, at your best as a leader. I know that uh, triggers and knowing, well, actually, let me go back. I loved your comment about when you were at GE and they were doing a lot of the psychometric, you know, <laughs> assessments and you're like, okay, yada, yada. Um, that nugget of it in that book telling you these are typical behaviors when under stress for this personality type. So for someone who's beginning their journey or hasn't spent any time really unpacking, um, how am I wired? What do I tend to do if I'm stressed? And recognizing it so you can shift that behavior. And really seeing the importance of that now. I remember many, many years ago, um, one of my mentors, who was like a second dad to me, Stephen Covey, he used to always say, don't forget the space. Don't forget the space, Kimberly. And I used to, and what he was telling me was, there is a space between stimulus and response. Our maker created us to have that space. And I am hearing that in your story to where if, because you, you know more about yourself, if you had recognized and had that awareness right away, you would have most likely pivoted your behavior and waited to make that return call later. And um, of course, I love that you have a happy ending to your story (laughs) and you and the client bonded even more. Um, But could we imagine if that conversation 
didn't go well, like you shared your awareness and what was going on. And because I can just imagine people saying, okay, well, I could take a risk and, and pony up and say, hey, this is what was going on with me. And right now we're, we're having a lot of conversation about psychological safety in the workplace, right? And I'm, I'm sure you are too at, at Miller Electric. Let's imagine that conversation maybe didn't go so well. Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I would love to hear from like, um, like to bring out the coach in you, the wisdom that you have um, for the audience. What could have been an alternative way of handling that if that outcome wasn't that way? You mean if he wasn't receptive to my apology? Yeah, yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, so I guess, you know, as somebody who was his coach for years, I I knew him well enough to, I, so I guess I didn't just, you know, he was a CEO and I didn't, I didn't go into it lightly. Right. So that's, okay. I think the key thing is, is know your audience. Right. So, yes. so gosh, I'm trying to think if he had been a different person, um, I think I still would have apologized. And, and I, I actually say this a lot. I think the apology, um, when you've behaved poorly is, um, one of the most powerful and underused leadership techniques. Um, and that is, I'm, now I'm thinking about Marshall Goldsmith's um, what got you here won't get you there. You yes. know, the ability to say you were wrong is, is pretty significant. Um, if it didn't go well, Kimberly, I guess I would think it was, it would have been in this case more about him than about me. Because I find most mm-hmm. people are pretty forgiving. You know, I think even some of mm-hmm. our, past presidents and the things we've all, they've inflicted upon all of us as a country. (laughs) And, you know, we do tend to say, well, you know, I'm not going to dwell on that. We we tend to be a pretty forgiving nation, I would say. So that would lead me into something else I'd like for us to talk about. Resilience. I see um, that attitude, mindset, and approach to um, forgiveness, I think that that is a sign of someone being resilient, being mm-hmm. able to um, not hold on and harbor, you know, a negative emotion. And I know as of late, especially in the U.S., we've had a lot of divisiveness from things going on politically, social injustice, different causes, there's been a lot going on. So there's been a lot of opportunity for many of us to say, I'm sorry, I might be yeah. wrong <laughs> or I was right. wrong. Yeah. Um, and to and I know, evolve our thinking, yeah to, yeah, to to gain new information and say, wow, I didn't think of it that way. So that's the growth mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about your view on resilience? Um, oh, I would love to. So this is something um, I, I have also studied and, and taught on because it's it's funny in this it, as an executive coach is I love I love that of my job because I get surprised often like I don't really know what's going to stick in any given day <laughs> I don't know what might resonate with somebody or not so so I'm fascinated when I see something sort of catch on and that um, so the word resilience. Um, I think some of the best new research out there is actually captured 
in the book, Work Without Stress, Building a Resilient Mindset for Lasting Success. And it's by Derek Roger and Nick Petrie. So I've gotten to know Nick Petrie quite well over the years. So I reached out to him when he was first writing white papers about stress. And then um, when the book came out and we've had him actually come into Miller to talk about this topic. So the key sort of the groundbreaking um, concept that came out of their research and um, Derek Roger has, has done research for the last 30 years at the Institute for Stress Management, which is a thing in the UK. <laughs> and um, after this 30 years of research, what they found is that stress is actually optional. And I'm like, wait, how can that be? Everybody gets stressed, you know? And the, the point is pressure is, is real and not optional. Pressure comes from outside, okay? And we all have pressure. We all have deadlines. We all have um, people in our lives who sort of push our buttons or, you know, just pressure at work. But not everybody takes pressure and turns it into stress. So they said, so what is the difference? Because some people have the same amount of pressure, but don't get so stressed. So what's the difference? And they found that, and this was really key, it's, it's a word called rumination. So the only way to turn pressure into stress, according to the research, is by adding this, this um, factor of rumination, which means playing something over and over in your head and adding a negative emotion to it. So like, for example, it would be, it's very easy to read the news and get depressed or watch TV and get depressed. It's just that if you then think about it over and over, oh my gosh, the world is definitely going to hell. What are we going to do? This is, everything's so bad. That's when you can become very stressed about it. We get a choice for how we think about the, the pressure that comes on us. So they taught us in this book and in this, this research, this, there's a four-step process to keep yourself from ruminating. So I'll take a breath there though. <laughs> should, I, should I go into the four steps? Oh, I would love to hear that. And I wrote down the name of the book, but we'll make sure we put that in the show notes okay, too. Thank you. Um, so the four steps. So, and I always have to, I have to clap when I do the first one because the first step is wake up, is like wake yourself up, notice you're ruminating. We all do it. We could be perfectly happy sitting at our computer writing an email. And if we get a pop-up that says, have you saved enough for retirement? You might go, oh shoot, have I? Like, and then all of a sudden you're ruminating. Oh my gosh, what if I never get to retire? I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to be 80 and working here. That's ruminating. So you have to notice when you're doing it and wake yourself up. That's the first step, noticing you're doing it. Um, the next step is to focus your attention on what you want to be doing. So if you're doing a report for work, focus on what you want to be doing, not on what you don't want. Um, if it's bad news on the, you know, on TV, focus on maybe it's refugees coming from Afghanistan. Maybe send an email to a local charity and say, how can I help? That's something you could choose to focus on instead of dwelling on how bad things are. So focus on what you want to focus on. The third is detach. And that means really pull yourself away from it. I'm, I know this is audio, but I'm like stretching out right now saying, remove yourself and realize in the big scheme of things, this is, put it in its proper place, um, whatever it is you're worrying about. And then the final step is let it go. And li literally, Kimberly, I'm, 
I can't believe we're talking about this. I was at a, I, I went to a funeral last week. Um, one of our, one of our people here at Miller, his wife lost her battle, six year battle with cancer. Oh, and um, I, I did not know her, but I know her husband. And now I think she's truly an angel. I mean, the way I heard her husband and her friends talk about her was amazing. Um, so one of her friends spoke at her, her um, funeral service. And she told this story that just so stayed with me um, and it has to do with letting go. So she said, Charlene, the woman who passed, shared a story with her of when I have a lot of worries, a lot of things on my mind and I'm trying to go to sleep or I'm trying to calm myself. I picture a balloon and I picture blowing my worries into this balloon and watching it get bigger and bigger and bigger and then tying it up keep putting, leaving the worries in the balloon and then letting it go. And I just thought that is such a cool image. Yes. There's most of the world's problems you and I cannot solve, you know, in any given moment. Dwelling on them does not help us solve them. We have to take the worries, let them go so we can focus on what we can do, not what we can't do. Thank you. I love the four steps. I'm really looking forward to getting this book. And I really like the balloon. I'm, I can just picture this. And I'm very visual. Um, yes. And um, I want to thank you again for, um, you gave me a necklace with a charm several years ago with the word well-being on it. And I've noticed that I have worn that a lot more in 2020 throughout the pandemic because we're on zoom so much right so now we're seeing ourselves and I'm a very visual person so having that charm and seeing that word well-being helps me come back to focus on um, is this behavior serving me Mm. And when you were sharing those four steps and you were talking about the rumination, there's been a series of TV commercials lately. I know they're for a financial services company, but you see the person trying to order dessert with a friend and she's trying to decide and the way her mind goes and it thinks through all these different things. And then basically the bank app pops up and gives her like peace of mind. So then she can return to focus on what she was supposed to be focusing on. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? The text notification got her attention and snapped her out of it. And because it gave her information, she was able to come back and focus on what she wanted to focus on instead of keep going down that, that the negative thought pattern that she was having. Um, So isn't that interesting that in, something that I would consider somewhat mindless, like a TV commercial, now really stands out to me um, because of the process you just shared. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, I have to thank you for that. Um, You reminded me of the Stephen Covey. um, I'm actually just pulling this up to share with you. Stephen Covey's um, space. There's a space between stimulus and response. And I just actually sent this to my son, Joseph. It was in my little morning reading um, about nine days ago. And it compared that sense of space to music and how um, 
the spaces are important. There is rhythm to life as in music. Um, the rest are integral to the composition. Oh, how beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. So I just, yeah. you know, we don't hear music as, <laughs> it's not just right. noise, right? It's there, the spaces are what kind of make it. So thank oh, you. That's, yeah. I, oh, I really like that. Well, before we wrap up, again, I really enjoyed first the awareness um, the, you know, a good reminder of the value in in owning up to something and an apology. I know in corporate, we talk about taking responsibility, accountability. And so owning up is a big part of that. Um, but also for the talking about rumination and this four-step process, I feel like that is so practical and hands-on. If people were to carve out just that portion of our conversation, I feel like you know, you've poured into them and given them an actionable leadership insight, which is the whole goal of the show. But in in closing, is there advice you would like to share with someone beginning their leadership journey or for any of our allies, any of the men out there that want to be supporting women in their leadership journey? Yeah, thank you. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, for women and men, and this because this is what what I what I have learned in my life. It has has to do with all humans. Um, and I we talked about self awareness, and I didn't talk too much about this, but you mentioned it with well being. It's it's self care. It's getting enough sleep. It's eating healthy. Um, we talked about sort of mental stress, but our bodies pretty quickly can get physically stressed if we don't sleep, if we don't exercise, if we don't eat well. So some of the, probably the single best piece of advice I could give to anyone starting out or someone who's been working a long time is take exceptionally good care of yourself. Um, we, as leaders, we can't give what we don't have. So if we don't have a sense of peace, if we don't have a sense of health, how can you how can you share that with someone else? So only you know how you're feeling. And if you're not feeling very good, check in with yourself physically as just kind of the baseline and, um, and let the rest kind of evolve from there. Well, thank you, Patty, so much for being with me today and pouring into our listeners. I really cherish you and appreciate you. You too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so honored. I mean, and thank you for, for doing this podcast to begin with. I think it's really good for people. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this episode of the She's Up Leadership Podcast. As always, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. You can subscribe to She's Up on Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, Alexa, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host and executive producer, Dr. Kimberly Jackson, founder and principal of Coach Kimberly International. Special thanks to our marketing manager, Sandy Lomas, and to audio engineer, Joseph Keenan, with Short Stack Studios in New York. We invite you to join us in our commitment to advancing women in leadership in STEM fields. To learn more about the She's Up movement, visit us at coachkimberly.com.